Hi everyone, it's Witchy Bites. Yay! I think we're at episode 11? I think so. I wrote down 11. Oh, excellent. Okay, <laughs> we're at episode 11. So, yay, we've hung in there. I'm Liz. And I'm Henny. And today we're going to be talking with someone called Brian. Hello everybody, I'm Brian. <laughs> so Brian is a family friend of mine. And he was born in England and spent his youth travelling around the UK and parts of Europe playing traditional Irish music. He tried a corporate job for a while and it was terrible. I can relate. But then he gardened and played his music around the UK for how many years did you do that? Quite a few? Oh, quite a while. Um, yeah. You're right about uh, corporate. I was actually what you call here a public servant in England, called mm-hmm. it civil service. So I tell people I used to be a civil servant, but I'm all right now. <laughs> yeah. got, and I did something better. quite brave, I suppose. I was 28, I was already at executive level, and I thought this is going to kill me, and I got out. That's and great. I've had the most incredible life ever since. Oh, that's mm. fabulous. Oh, well, I can't wait to hear about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So we'll start with growing up. So you, you were born in England. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was actually <laughs> born in Liverpool because, you know, in those days everyone was born in hospital. Mm. So you can call me a scouser. Sometimes uh, a term of endearment would be to put a seven letter noun after the beginning of B and ending in D, but that's the term of endearment. <laughs> and, but I grew up in Lancashire, about 15 miles north of Liverpool, and that's the southwest Lancashire plain, they call it. So from Liverpool to Manchester, 30 miles, and from Liverpool to Preston's 29 miles, so it's almost a perfect triangle. And it's some of the deepest, richest uh, agricultural land in Britain. It's 12 foot deep. Uh, jet black alluvial loam and they call it the moss and there's some very very famous vegetables from around there um Ormskirk is a little market town two and a half miles up the road from uh Lydiot. we were on the edge of Lydiot and McGull's in the doomsday book I mean that's you know, <laughs> history and Ormskirk is a beautiful market town and uh, there's a very famous cabbage called the Ormskirk, Ormskirk Savoy the church mm. is very famous because it's got a tower and a steeple and there are two sisters who wanted to be benefactors mm. and one wanted a tower and one wanted a steeple so they built a church with both. Oh, I like <laughs> that compromise. <laughs> oh, it's great. And then, of course, just further east, as I mentioned, Manchester and there's an incredible carrot which uh, Hannah and her family love. Called, uh, it's called Manchester Table mm. and it's one of the all-time great carrots. Oh, mm. okay. Wow, mm. I have... You, I have, I know nothing, so you could tell me anything and I'm going to believe you, So, <laughs> which could be fun for you. <laughs> so, so you were born in England, but your family was of Irish heritage and there were a lot oh, of Irish absolutely. people you said, uh, where you were living. My maternal lineage is all from County Armagh um, and it's South Armagh really. It's a place called Forkill, which is close to the border and it was a scene of a lot of bloodshed and all the troubles. I mean, every other country in the world has a civil war, but the Brits call it the Troubles. Yeah. Right. And okay. uh, Dad's family, uh, the lineage there is County Down. So Grandad Owens was a publican in Belfast, and he was also called a linen lapper. What's it's that? Just, yeah, I don't well, know. Well, um, Belfast, you know, the mm. Irish linen. Mm. So in the northeast of Ireland, um, the river's there, and they, have, they grow flax, which is like a linseed. Yeah. So you know when you see the um, the beautiful crops, uh, the rape crops in the spring with the bright yellow flowers? Oh, yes. And they get the oil. Yeah. And they get the oil from that. Well, linen is the same, but it's got blue flowers. 
Oh. And uh, they uh, would get the oil off it. And linen, you get linseed. So that's where linseed oil comes from. Mm-hmm. But what they did then, they had what you call a scutch pond. And all the stems off the plants, they threw them in. And it used to stink. I mean, I don't know if you've ever made liquid manure. Uh, but when you put plants in, there, there's many ways to make different compost and manure. And some of it, you solarise it. And it just crumbles down and makes compost. And that. But if you wet it, even the most pernicious invasive weeds just go into a sludge and it stinks. Uh-huh. And what happens with the linen stems um, or the flax stems, they put them in these ponds and around uh, Armagh and that area, they call them scutch ponds and they stink to high heaven. Mm. But all the rest of the leaves go into gunge and you're left with the fibres. And they wash the fibres, which is why the lagon and other rivers around there uh, is, is important. They wash all the fibres and that's mm. how you get... Irish linen. Oh, oh yes. my goodness. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know how there's a, uh, to me, I think, a very worthwhile movement towards bamboo socks and mm. this and that. They're only doing the same thing. They're using natural fibres. Yeah. And you're yeah. taking away, I mean, you think of the process that goes into making a plastic drinks bottle. I think it's 700 and odd millilitres of uh, crude oil it takes to make a 660 mil bottle of, you know, to take mm. coke and things like that. Mm. Plus the energy it takes in the process to break all those uh, hydrocarbons down to make mm. them into a plastic then, which is going to be a pollution source. And we see what's happening with the Pacific Gaia yeah. and such things like that. And if you go back to the ancient fabrics, look at cotton. Indian cotton was always one of the things. You had all your beautiful silks. Mm. And the silk's a natural product of a um, species of moth bombix. The, 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 uh, uh, the silk moth mm. so it's the same when you go to linen it's one of the most natural fabrics going and the only processing you've got to do is wash it uh, yeah yeah. after you've done all of that breaking down of the fibre yeah but na- 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 nature's yeah. doing the breaking down yeah, yeah, yeah you don't yeah. have to do anything anyway so the, uh, the flax uh, so it's a beautiful flower and it's very very closely uh, related to oil seed rape right and okay. they do they do grow it here in Tasmania flax I think I knew that. Is that mm. on the west coast? No, they, they grow it all over the place. Oh, they, they grow it around okay. and, Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Mm. That's that's really cool. I think something that uh, certainly pagans and and witches feel really strong towards is the environment and making sure that. Oh my are... word! They they were mm. so so conscious of their environment. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. So I think it's it's wonderful to be from a place that you know has grown their own linen and that's beautiful so yeah yeah so so that's where did you live there as well for a while or was that just where your family were from uh, no we went over every spring we used to go to granny's cottage and um she uh, left school at 14 she had the most immaculate writing she was born in 1905 and she died in 1999 she was riding a push bike till in her 80s and she used to grow her own spuds and everything. I mean, she had the most immaculate hand and it goes back to, it's a skill that's being lost now in schools. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I volunteer at the East District School yeah. and I've been trying to do calligraphy with the children. Ostensibly, it's really giving them handwriting lessons because mm. people now are doing touch screens and that. Yeah. And one of the most important skills you can give someone is to be able to write. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because if you've got a power cut and that, you can't use a computer. Yeah. If you've got a piece of paper and it's fine. you know, I make my own ink. I mean, I do a lot of calligraphy as well. But yeah. get, get, getting uh, back to the uh, communication things, you know, and the writing, you've literally the three R's. Yeah, and I always mm-hmm. said that 
and you can be self-educated if you can read and you know how to use a library or a reference mm. then you can educate yourself yeah and i have done that all my life um and the uh, granny was the same and she mm. was there and she was entitled to a council house in england which was across the water is what they say in liverpool oh. so liverpool's on the north side of the river mersey then you've got the Wirral Peninsula, then you've got the River Dee, which is effectively the boundary of North Wales and England. Oh, yeah. So oh. the Wirral Peninsula goes out, and Granny was near the beach there. And she had a council house, and in the winter she'd go over and spend the... She had managed to get a cottage at Dundalk, which is just south of the border in County Louth. That's the smallest co uh, county in Ireland. And it's also the scene of a very famous uh, ancient epic. The, I think it's the oldest written epic in Europe. It's called the Toyne. And it's the cattle raid of Cooley. And oh, Cooley's yes, on the yes. other side of the hill from Granny's Cottage. Ah, cool. And it's, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool, Cooley. Yeah, cool. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, we used to go over and um, maybe not down your avenue and that, but there's a place called Calvary right the, the back. And every Easter, we used to have to go up and walk up Calvary and say your rosary at Easter and everything. Because mm. it's a very, very Catholic country. Mm. Uh, and it's done a lot to actually keep the, uh, the people together. I mean, there's a divergence. Uh, now I'd say in Ireland uh, moving away from Catholicism and a lot of people getting into the earth I mean ancient, the ancient Christianity there was very very set in the earth and mm. all the animal things and once you try and sort of get things more we we'll say regal or yeah. established with some form of a corporate side of things yeah. and uh, the Catholic Church not knocking it but it is one of the richest institutions in the world. And so I've got one of the smallest populations with the most power in the world when you think Vatican City yes. is an internationally recognised state. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, we would go up there and, I mean, there's a place called Croke Patrick in the west of Ireland where the traditional way is to walk barefoot all the way up this mountain to pay your homage and everything like that. And the St. Bridget's Wells everywhere. Now Hannah's been over to mm. Ireland with her mum on a couple of holidays. And everywhere you go to St. Bridget's Well, but the original one is just near where Granny's was. So we went over and, and Granny would spend the winters over there. So Easter, when we were little, then we'd go over on a spring holiday and visit Granny in a little cottage. Um, and I mean, old children are dam builders and there used to be a little stream go down the back of Granny's. And we were great at building dams. <laughs> I still remember the farmer coming up one night and complaining because we were that successful that the stream had dried up and his cattle couldn't drink <laughs> in the property below Granny's. But anyway, there were wonderful times. And we used to go over to Uncle Owen. That was my great Uncle Owen. He's my Granny's brother. And he was a pig farmer in Fork Hill. And literally the bank went down to the river and that river, the river was the border, and the family did suffer during the troubles. Uh, one of my yeah. cousins, uh, Eugene, he was blown up. He wasn't killed. The soldier yeah. was blown to bits, but uh, yeah. he was wounded. And that he's married with some elder, and they live on the same property, but in a different building on the property. Mm. So we stay in touch. But in those days, I didn't play any music, but I always knew that one of my uh, great uncles had been a great musician. And we weren't really encouraged to play the music when Granny... Oh, sorry, get back to the point. So mm -hmm. Granny then would let out the cottage in the summer and she made a fortune. She lived in the council house in England. <laughs> oh, she did. She was yeah. very, very clever. Yeah. And she, she played a little uh, accordion, button accordion. Yeah, oh, cool. Um, but 
not many people knew that. She just picked it out at the right time. And she was thrilled when I started playing. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And I just saw a flute in a shop window and decided oh, I'm going to play the flute. You're just going to do it. And yeah. mum asked, what made you play, pick the flute? And I said, well, I saw in a shop window and it turned out my great uncle Tom had been a brilliant musician. Wow. And he played in the Cayley band. Oh, wow. And it also turns out that my maternal grandfather, whom I never met, he mm. was a calligrapher and a sign writer. Oh, and you do that, yeah. And I do that. Yeah. And I do a lot of calligraphy. Hannah's seen a lot of it. Yeah. So. Wow. That's it's, it's, it's weird how so that sometimes, can happen. And yeah. it wasn't anything to engender it really at home. Yeah, yeah it just came out. It just anyway, just almost despite of everything. Yeah. yeah. In spite of everything, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, I started playing that and I loved it. And in those times back in the 70s when I first went and... Well, I mean... I had various jobs. I left home at 18 and I worked in Cadbury's, the original Cadbury's in Bourneville. Ah, uh, yeah. I, <laughs> yes. I spent a year on nights. So you'll laugh at this. I mean, I don't know if you like chocolate. I've never really had a sweet tooth. But um, it would have been about, seven, you, about <laughs> 74. Well, you could eat as much as you wanted at work. They say, yes, I think and that's still they're a Quaker is. firm and I think Fry's is a Quaker firm. Mm. And I forget the other ones, but they were incredible. They built a whole village of Bourneville in Birmingham mm. for their workers. And there was a car plate where when you finished work on a summer's morning, you'd go fishing. There were showers. They gave you two unit sets of overalls a week. They did all your laundry. And at night, you went into the canteen and you got a two-course meal. And oh, Cadbury's, yeah. that was Cadbury's did that. And, that. and that was a job that you had at 18. That's an amazing job. And, to have at they, <laughs> and I, I only went in casual. And after six months, they offered me permanent time. Oh, wow. And I said, well, thanks very much. And I actually gave them a notice in inverse a year later. I was glad I did it. But anyway, in 74, it would have been the miners tried to bring down Ted Heath, who was uh, the Prime Minister of England at the time. There was a lot of Mm. union confrontation. And England went on to a three-day week. And all these industries and that, everybody had eight-hour power cuts. It was Mm. rationed right across the country, except Mm. for essential industries. And Cadbury's was classed as an essential food industry. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we never missed a minute. Seriously, and apparently it's good for a nation's morale, and it, apart yeah. from being an aphrodisiac, but chocolate's yeah. good for a nation's morale and comfort. Yeah. So we never missed a beat. I love that so yeah. much. Yeah. Honestly, no, that's a beautiful story to it tell. It is a great story. But they were great, great employers. Cadbury's were wonderful. Yeah. And I yeah. could have stayed there for life, you know. Yeah. But I had other things to do, and, and that was it. And I uh, went, moved back up north, and I, uh, I was a professional grave digger. For the council, wow. I did that for a year, yeah. And um, I did my board for the civil service. I was also a beachcomber. My mother always go, "My firstborn son, and all he was a bloody beachcomber." <laughs> <laughs> and I used to dig bait for the lads. You know, we're all working in the factories because yeah. I was also a bait digger. I did a lot of fishing, yeah. And um, you go out shrimping and prawning, and by God, that's hard work on a cold mm. winter's night. You come back and your fingers are all locked. Oh, like my goodness, that. yeah. But anyway, you did <laughs> your worst nightmare. That is my worst nightmare. <laughs> but um, I got into the civil service, and that was uh, 78 till 82. And it was very anti-Irish in Britain in those days. Yeah, then. Um, and anyone displaying anything Irish or leanings that way, you treated with contempt and that. But Liverpool's mm. a very desi- a divided city because half of it's uh, green and half it's orange. So mm. orange was the order of uh, the Protestants. Mm. No, it's after William of Orange, you see. That's why the Dutch national flag is orange. Mm. So on the 12th of July next week, 
they'll have riots and everything in Belfast and Terry mm. and Glasgow and Liverpool. And not all of them will be riots, but they celebrate the 12th of July, 1690, which is the Battle of the Boyne, where uh, the Orange forces defeated the Catholics at right. the Battle of the Boyne. And the Boyne is just downriver. Well, it's uh, on the coast, Drogheda, with uh, the Boyne. It's a sacred, ancient, and when I say sacred, uh, in wiki terms as well as Christian terms, but uh, more so uh, going back to uh, Neolithic, uh, there's a place called Newgrange, and it's the largest man-made mound in Europe. And on the 21st of December, at about quarter to ten it is, because you're at latitude about 54 north, then the sun comes in and shines down over the lintel and it goes right down into the centre of this hill and bathes the tombs of all the previous people. Now, talk about using a computer. They had computers then. It was full of grey matter between your ears. <laughs> and that's what's going wrong with society now. People are relying on computers too much instead of making this work. Yeah. I really yeah. believe that you've spent a whole... God knows how long the process. But Homo sapiens, what is it, 370,000 years or something, evolving this and that. And in the space of less than a century, they're making, doing things now to do away with all that incredible brain power. And if you don't use it, you will lose it. It's true, really. And it's true. a fact. It's yeah. the same with the writing skills. Yeah. Getting yeah. back to that. And I'm not I'm not a pedant, I'm not a Luddite, a Luddite or anything like that. <laughs> but there's something to be said for when you can write your name, if you can carve your name with a stylus on a wax tablet, yeah. if you can mark it with a penknife in a tree and do a love heart and that, yeah. you can't get a computer to do that. Yeah. And yeah. it's the permanent. And you look, at, you look at the rock art uh, in the caves in France, you look at what they found here in Australia. Yes. Is it 60,000 year old rock art? At least. I think it's older, yeah. but yeah. yeah anyway, yeah. 60,000 to 70,000, yeah. they've known that the First Nation of Australia came here. Yeah. And they found rock art. Yeah. And then yeah. you get people, and I would say rednecks, rogues, bullies, crooks, whatever, to go yeah. out and destroy it. Yeah. There's a place yeah. up the Derwent River there where there's a beautiful piece of rock art and that, and kayakers have gone up and destroyed it. Oh, that's, oh, that's so And not because they're beautiful kayakers, because they've gone up and destroyed it. Yeah, yeah. And some of the language that's talked around Tasmania, I don't know the mainland, is still very, very racist. Yes. And I know all about that. The Brits had 800 years practice on the Irish before they came out to Australia. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. yes. I mean, the thing that I think we should all be aware of is look at the welcome that was given to the uh, first people coming out here. And it's called the Friendly Beaches, up on the yeah. coast there. And yet what happened, yeah. Tasmania's lost all its, you know, there's no one like 100% Aboriginal now in Tasmania because they were all wiped out. Was it Truganini was the last one, I think. That's And correct, yet you yeah. still have pure Aboriginal and rightfully proud mm. traditional landowners yeah. on the mainland and they should be treated with the respect here in Tasmania. But yeah. if only the same could be said for Ireland. Mm. You know, the Queen, uh, when she went over a few years back, she sat at the same table as Martin McGuinness, God rest his soul. I mean, he's gone on now. And he might have been involved in the IRA, but he's also one of those people who was very, very involved in negotiating the peace settlement. The present ambassador to Ireland, Brendan O'Queely, he was one of the key players in that with the Good Friday Agreement. Mm -hmm. And that was a wonderful uh, process there, which meant uh, there's a sense of normality in the North now. Yeah. Um, But I am concerned... Uh, this Brexit deal might set things back. But anyway, enough of that. Um, so I was playing the music and I used to get seconded to London. I used to work in Welsh Hall 
and it was great. I mean, I was on £27.50 a night subsistence allowance on top of my salary, and that was tax-free. Well, I used to hit every Irish pub in London and go play, and I always had a clean pair of socks, clean undies, and a shirt in my bag. I'd go out playing, and I loved it. And yeah. I, I met all the musicians. Liverpool was a great breeding ground because mm. they call Liverpool the uh, 33rd county. Ireland's got 32 counties, mm. but they call Liverpool the 33rd county because mm. when the Great Hunger was on, there was no famine. Mm. But uh, 45 to 40, 1845 to 49, the Brits literally starved the Irish. There was a blight came in, yeah. so it did wipe out the potatoes. But they were exporting beef and corn uh, all the time. Okay. They left the Irish to starve. And they changed the laws as well back in 1790 so that they had to subdivide every little piece of land so that in the end, if you had a family with 12 children, then they all had to have a 12th of that land and then it got smaller and smaller and smaller and they weren't viable. Mm. And it was it was an attempt at genocide, full stop. Well, that's my view on it. I'm yeah. quite happy to proclaim that. Anyway, I'd started playing the flute and it's something I was just passionate about. And um, the one thing about... Uh, having a job like that uh, in those days, finish work. I was still in Liverpool, finish at uh, tea time on a Friday night, go down to Oily Joe's, which is the nickname for a pub called the Victoria Bar on the Dock Road. <laughs> it was right, well, it was right yeah. opposite um, the Victoria Dock. And that's where the Irish Ferry used to go from. Oh, okay. And you'd jump on the ferry Friday night. It was £18 return. And you'd go over... And if you didn't get outside of Dublin for the weekend, there were sessions everywhere and there was always a bed in that. And uh, one of the people I'd been playing was Shay Black, uh, who was, we were in the Liverpool Traditional Folk Club together. And his sister is the wonderful singer Mary Black. And the other sister is Francis Black. So they've been quite internationally recognised. And sometimes you get a bed there and you go to somewhere else and uh, various families and you got to meet them and that. But also some of the people, what you call a spalpeen, Mm. Uh, is an itinerant farm labourer, specifically potato uh, pickers. And they used to come out and work over in the Fens in the uh, east of England, north of London, you know, around Norwich and that area, Cambridgeshire. Mm, yeah. Again, that's got beautiful soils, potato-growing country. And um, they'd all be going home with their money to take home to their families. And you might end up in Limerick or Galway by lunchtime on the Saturday because they'd give you a lift. And if you'd been playing on the boat all night, they thought you'd be good for the crack. So you get this, maybe a bit of a Saturday lunchtime session, Saturday night session, Sunday lunchtime session, a mad dash back to Dublin to get the ferry, <laughs> and you go straight to work on Monday. Oh, my word, they were the days. Wow. And I played with some incredible musicians and visited some incredible, beautiful ancient sites. Yeah. Um, the history of Ireland is amazing. I mentioned New Grange. You know, I don't know if you want to look it up in that, but it predates the pyramids. And the pyramids are classed as astronomical landmarks and they're still viable today. Well, New Grange is, but it's earlier than that. I mean, what's the pyramids, 1800, 2000 BC, something? Mm -hmm. Anyway, New Grange is older than that. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, right. Lot, isn't it about 3000 um, BC? Is it about 3000? Something like that. Something like that. It's a fair bit older. It, it's on my list of places I want to go. So It, it is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> And fortunately, again, that's one of the things I was able to do before everything got so much tour-guided and charged yeah. for this and that. I mean, I don't mind paying for this and paying for that, but I also sometimes think that it's been taken away from people now that it's almost mapped out for you and you've mm. got to go on this guide and have someone authorised to do this and to do that. But, I mean, like, you can't go and touch Stonehenge anymore. They won't let you even touch it now. But you can go up and touch the stones at Newgrange. 
so at least you can actually touch the stone. The, and and you the, see, did you see recently there's just been um, a discovery just near Stonehenge of the ancient pits where the, all the timber was? But you yes. see, there was a place before Stonehenge, there was another place called Woodhenge, you know that, don't you? Is that the one that's that's semi-close by and yeah. um, it's not very touristy, but apparently it's quite amazing to go visit as oh, well. Yeah. yeah. You see, you mentioned something there and Stonehenge, again, is another astronomical, yeah. uh, like, timepiece in the sense of mm. a watch yeah. or horloge, I think is the French word for a clock, because it's set on it. But everyone, and earlier on in the 70s and that, a lot of people think, oh, it's the midsummer and it's to do that. Well, a lot of people don't realise that wherever the sun rises on the summer solstice, diametrically opposite, is where the sun sets on the opposite solstice. Uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. people were wondering why there was all this and all that, but it wasn't until they did some recent research. And the fact is, that everybody's been looking the wrong way. And Stonehenge is all about celebrating the birth of the new sun at the winter solstice. <laughs> uh, I didn't yeah. realise that, actually. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, That's, and it's yeah. one of the things, is, and I, I've got my garden marked out just with a few stakes and that. Yeah. So I've got a metre high stake and uh, it's two metres and three centimetres away yeah. is the shadow on the winter solstice. Uh, and I've got little yeah. pegs which tell me what time of the oh, season it I is. I love that so much. And it's, nice. it's really that's, simple. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do that at my place. Well, yeah. I'll show you how to do it. So it's dead easy. And all yeah. you go out is every hour when you've got it as on that date. And then mm. we'll say, give it 30 days or so. Then you'll see the shadows getting shorter. But you know when you look at various maps in the Mercator map, or when you see a globe and you've got all the lines going round mm. parallel. Yeah. So we know up at Ross here in Tasmania, that's a forty-second parallel, mm. and that goes at that latitude all the way around the world. Yeah. Mm. So what you do is when you put your peg and you've got this and that, when the sun then moves an hour, which is fifteen degrees. Yeah. And again, it's, I'll go into that again. And the ancients knew this because mm. they're up in Kirkwall with Orkney. Because yeah. they've got standing stones all the, all around there as well. Yeah. So when you go along, and then the shadow gets a bit longer, but that line is straight. So it always play true. So it uh-huh. always stays true. Yeah. And whatever yeah. angle the sun is, wherever noon is, is astronomical north. Yeah. Yes. As yeah. opposed to uh, magnetic north, uh, yes. which is actually quite a way off. It's be about something like 13 or 14 degrees at the moment. So yeah. a compass will give you a, where magnetic north is. Well, yeah. it's going to change, maybe not our lifetime, but the, the poles are going to flip. They do flip, yeah, I remember and they, that. It's yeah. happened before. Yeah. Because the core is, uh, the Earth is, is metallic. Yeah. And it's just a process It's going to happen. Yeah. So anyway, you've got that, but the astronomical north, so wherever you are, if you've got a good timepiece, so there's a story about Cook having two chronometers. Mm. Okay. Uh, one of them was a bit <laughs> dodgy. But anyway, he was, he was a brilliant chartist. Yeah. Not in the sense of any political movement, but, you know, yeah. in the sense, car- cartographer, that's the word. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the accuracy of his charts is still uh, uh, used today. Yeah. Standard. And it's just amazing. Mm. But uh, it's all to do, where you've got north. Now, if you look at the stars at night, then they move four minutes a night. Mm. Now, that's our motion through space. Yeah. Well, the ancients knew this, and that's why they built Stonehenge. That's why they were able to build New Grange. Yeah. It's why uh, up in the Orkneys and all these other places, they actually have circles of stones. Mm. And there's a notch somewhere in Scotland, a hill that's got all the notches on, and it's where the sun will be at different times of the year, at certain times of the day. It's amazing. Yeah. And this is all BC. Yeah. yeah. And talking of which, 
there's a church on the island of London called St. Helens. Yeah. And the axis of the church is that on the summer solstice, at night, the whole of the altar is bathed in light by the setting sun. That's beautiful. And I've That's seen so it. beautiful. I have seen it two years running. Oh, that is beautiful. And yeah. whoever designed the church had it, and it's got all the stained glass and everything, but it's actually got the, um, a relief carving of the Last Supper. Oh, wow. On the altar, and that the angle of the light bathes the whole of the altar with that relief carving. That is gorgeous. <laughs> but it's again, it's only going back to what, and there's Neolithic remains on Lundy as well. So they must have walked out there when their water table was uh, lower. Yeah. And it's the same as when they built Stonehenge. I don't know if you know, but this stone only occurs in one place in Britain, and it's yes. in a place called uh, Priscelli, I think it is, mm. or Priscelli, a big quarry there. And they actually brought that across the Severn Estuary, up all the hills onto the uh, onto the downs near Salisbury. Yeah. So it's a dirty big lug up a hill as well. It's not all flat. <laughs> and they actually brought all the stone over from mm. South Wales to Stonehenge. I I heard that they floated them down the river and they found like some of the stones in the river because it's... because some some vessels sank. Yeah. 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 And uh, they'd already uh, carved the stones out. Yeah. Um, yeah, some of the, some gosh, of, would that be heartbreaking after all that work? Yeah. I put 15 months into that stone, now it's at the bottom of the river. And you, you know, you just imagine, I mean, all the jokes of the cartoons like Fred Flintstone, but yeah. I mean, they must have had yeah. logs and yeah. everything like that. Yeah. You know, it's just amazing. It is amazing what humans can do. Like, But it's, yeah. it's that, so getting back to what I mentioned about the stars and everything, so it's called sidereal motion, I think it is. Mm. And the ancients knew this, that... As you go round, so we move, we're going at 18 miles a second um, in our orbit around the sun. Mm. So uh, they knew the seasons enough that when the solstice happened, that was the furthermost uh, journey north for the sun, and then mm. the opposite solstice was the furthermost south. Now, the beautiful coincidences were at an angle of 23 and a half degrees, mm-hmm. but the tropics are 23 and a half degrees either side of the equator. Mm. So the sun's actually got that much movement. Excuse me. So the equinox and equilux, because this is both separate things, happen when the sun is crossing the equator. So it is. So that's why we get our seasons, and the ancients knew that. Now, uh, if you think that um, the stars move four minutes a night, and we'll say every month's got 30 days. So mm. 30 times by 4 is 120, which is 2 hours. Times mm. by 12 gives you 24, and that's mm. why the stars come back. Uh, ah, yeah. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, your constellations, yeah. they yeah. appear to move, but it's yeah. us moving. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yes. of course. Yeah. But the ancients knew yeah. this, yeah. Yeah. and so that's when they got it. Now, one of the things about seasons, and I very much go with seasons, mm. is that if you go back to the old calendar, and I call it the Irish calendar, you can call it the ancient calendar, whatever, Mm -hmm. but uh, I've found more about it through my Irish connections than anywhere else, Mm. is that how in Australia you've got summer begins on the 1st of December, you know, and likewise uh, autumn and winter, you know, 1st of June and all that. Now, in Europe, mainland Europe, a lot of the seasons start on the first of those months, you know, March and December and everything like that. Mm. In Britain, it's the 21st of March yeah. and 21st of June, Midsummer's mm. Day, 24th of June. How, when, you know, the summer solstice is the 21st? Mm. And you do that. 
Now, when you go to the Asian calendar, mm. the solar event is in the middle of each season. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. because the Irish, and we go on Northern Hemisphere now, and it's obviously six months opposite here. Yeah. Mm. So, you've got six, uh, uh, the, the first of February is mm. the beginning of spring. It's also the Feast of Breeze, and we go into that uh, another time. But it's called Imbolug. Yeah. Mm. It spells I-M-B-O-L-C or uh, O-L-G. Yeah. Mm. But when you say an Irish word, if it's got a G, uh, if it's got a consonant at the end, you sound that letter. Okay. So uh, it looks like Imbolg yeah. or Imbolk, yeah. but it's Imbolk. Okay, now, I definitely Im- say it wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but yes. Im, <laughs> I-M in Irish is a prefix meaning big or yeah. large. Imbolg means swollen. Okay. And it's natural because in the spring all the sheep are going to have their lambs. Of course, yeah. yeah. And the feast of Imbolg is all to do with the birthing of lambs, and it's also mm. the birthing of seed. Yeah. Mm. You see, and it's the mm. traditional time to sow your crops to to get your summer harvest and autumn yeah. harvest. Mm. Yeah. So that's where that comes from. But that's bang in the middle of the season, you see, because from the winter solstice, so twenty first, twenty second of December to the first of February. So you've got 31 days, 32 including the first, plus you've got 11 days, uh, sorry, 10 days. So you've got 42 stroke 43 days. Mm. Now you go from the 1st of February, so you've got 27 days, yep. and you've got 31 in March. Yeah. Uh, you see where I'm coming? Uh, sorry, 21 in March to the equinox. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, you've got 20, it. and you've got 40, whatever it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so... When you look at the ancient calendar, the solar event, so you've got the 1st of May, yeah. is Beltana. Yeah. Uh, that's how you say it in Irish. A lot of people say Beltane, which, but anyway, it's pronounced, <laughs> no, but anyway, it's, it's pronounced Beltana. Yeah. Um, now, that is the actual feast mm-hmm. of that, the actual season called Sara, which is the summer, and that goes from the 1st of May to the 1st of August. Yeah. So if you've got 31 days in May, and okay, 21 to the summer solstice, so that's about 50. Yeah. Uh, 51, 52, yeah. but then you've got from June, so you've got uh, nine days left in June, plus 31 in mm. July, so that's 40, plus then, you, you yeah, know what I mean? I can so see, the, yeah, the solar yeah. events are there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I work that way. I don't work on four seasons a year in my garden. Yeah. Even here in Tasmania, yeah. I work on early spring, late spring, yeah, early summer, yeah. late summer, Yeah. early autumn, late autumn, Yeah. early winter, late winter. I see. Okay. And I work I on it. half yeah. seasons. Yeah. And one of the things I've been doing a bit of research in is the ancients here, the First Nation of Australia. Mm. They worked on when such a tree came into flower. Yeah. And they worked the, when a when a certain thing. bird flew in. Yeah. They knew that something was happening. Yeah. And so they did everything according to that. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got to be attuned to nature. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's one of the things that we talk about a mm. lot because, like, a, a lot of what has been written about for paganism is for Mm. the Northern Hemisphere and it's part of why we've started this podcast because we wanted to talk about it from the opposite perspective. Yeah, from the southern perspective. Um, And that things are different here and we have different trees and we have different things that you see and so um, that's been a really big part of, I would say, both our practices. Mm, Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Yeah, trying to get in tune just with what actually happens here. Yes, you can use the calendar from the north, and it does fit to a degree. Close, yeah. But you've got to also incorporate our animals and our 
your actual location fauna and, and where, where you, you actually live. are. Yeah. 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 But because of where we are right here in Tassie, the, we're quite a similar, though opposite latitude, longitude to parts of Ireland. So it does like... Yeah, you're, you're about 10 degrees further south, so it's more yeah. a Mediterranean climate here. Although you do have a massive uh, lump of ice and snow uh, to the south just of yeah, Antarctica. Just a, just a small one. Yeah. You know, and the lump of ice and snow to the north of the British Isles and north of Europe yeah. are shrinking very rapidly. Yes, they are. But you see, the Antarctic is a landmass. Yeah, the, underneath it all. The, the yeah. Arctic ice cap is floating. Oh, I didn't realise. Yeah, that's a scary bit because the Russians and the Americans are all wanting to get drilling rights Mm. because it's full and they're just going to destroy the whole ecology up there. Yeah, And that will affect everywhere because it's not just in that area. It will. That's right, that's right. You know, now that the ice cap's disappearing, they're all getting drilling rigs up there now. Mm. It's just stupid. And there's no respect for nature. I mean, you've... I said earlier on, I'm sorry if I'm talking too much. No, you're not. <laughs> this is why we want you here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the moment you take the balance out of yeah. nature, if you take away one insect, which might be a bit of a pest, but you take away the whole balance, you're upsetting. Yeah. Or adding other ones in. Yeah. yeah. yeah to try and yeah. control something you don't like. I mean, that's why uh, uh, that's, I love what you've just said there, Hannah, because you know, I've known Hannah, what, some 10 years now, I suppose, yeah. I've known your family. Um, I do not use poisons. I won't use poisons. Yeah. Because mm. you don't know what you might poison besides yeah. what your target is. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. if you create that imbalance, something else will move in. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That, that's the whole way nature works. Yeah. And yeah. it could be a lot worse for whatever you're doing. So you take away I mean, one thing that eats your bruises, and then you get something else that eats them that's worse. So you just don't know. You, you know, it, it's that's why I'm. Uh, you know, if you go the way of the ancients, mm. you actually learn to live with it, and you learn to harvest, you learn to um, manage herds, mm-hmm. and you can do it in a way which is acceptable, you know, mm. it's, it's not destroying it. Mm-hmm. I don't like the uh, industrial level of cattle farming, for example, no. uh, be it milk or for beef. Yeah. Um, I'm omnivorous. Yeah. I have no problem with that. Yeah. Um, it's the same. I've got I uh, have got old English game bantam hens, and mm. they're beautiful, and I they have yeah. and they have the life of Riley, but mine. They yeah. Do. Um, I've got bees which live in my shed. Hannah yes. was telling tell, me. Tell us about the bees. I love the bees. Well, they say that you know sometimes they they choose to go where it is. Um, anyway, I've got this old hydro what you call a humpy shed mm-hmm. and it's an old weatherboard one and one of the weatherboards is a bit uh, raised excuse me and um oh it'd be four and a half coming up five years ago mm-hmm. now and i said to my dear friend lee slater who's an incredible apiarist and well he's not just that he's an incredible friend mm-hmm. and he had all his nukes in the uh, meadow behind my cottage and so we've talked many times and that and i told him about the bees and he said, oh, he said, do you want them out? I said, no, no, I'm quite happy. And um, so the queen, she swarmed out after three years and everything with bees happens in threes. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah, it's, 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 it's yeah. a magic number. And three. Of course, three is a magic number. It it's is. a perfect number. Yeah. And um, the bees go in and out and that. And I deliberately uh, plant borage and calendula 
and all these bee attractive plants. Yeah. And it means even on a winter's day, I mean, it's 12 degrees, they'll be flying today. Yeah. And I know that Hannah's brother Joseph has now got a hive at the back of the house. Oh, really? Yes. And <laughs> the, bee, the, the bees will be out working because all the bottles yep. come out. Yes, oh, I yes. saw so it coming out the, today. The yeah. Kutamundra is just down at the end, uh, past this house and yeah. on the other side of the road. Yeah, oh, that's where they're going. <laughs> oh, yeah, they'll, we be, and they'll be getting the pollen now. Yes. But uh, mine are lucky enough, I've got a double flowering uh, honeysuckle mm. and they've only got a fly five metres of that. And that's, that's, that's not <laughs> pollen, that's nectar. Yeah, yeah. And they like I've got that. the good stuff. Yeah, I think your bees would probably be a bit spoiled and a bit crazy <laughs> like your chooks are. But, uh, <laughs> You know, um, so they live, in, they live in your shed, don't yeah, they? They're they just live in the in, shed, in, not actually in the shed, but in the lining. Yeah. yeah, and they don't bother me, and I don't bother them. Yeah, and as Hannah's mum, uh, Leone, said a couple of years ago, she's a clever bee. Why drive to the shops when you can park up in the <laughs> car park? <laughs> Seriously, and they they've swarmed. There've been two swarms leave now. That's what you call casting a swarm. Yeah, but there's no poison in my garden. Yeah. yeah. So they're perfectly healthy, healthy, they're healthy perfectly safe. And, and they've swarmed, also, they've swarmed and they've twice. That means there's huge yeah. numbers of them. They're yeah. very healthy. I it's mean, great. Yeah. So it'd be in the summer, there'd be something like thirty to 40,000 bees. Wow. that's And it's in a awesome. spiral. In a spiral, the yeah. honeycomb is in the spiral. Well, again, it's all going back to uh, nature. I mean, the honeycomb is uh, based on the hexagon, which yeah. is one of the perfect... Well, a hexagon is six triangles. Yeah. Mm six equilateral triangles and the triangle is one of the strongest structures that mm. nature's ever done and, and, the, and the bees do it and, and do you know your, do you know your fibonacci numbers no uh, <laughs> well it's one zero plus one is one one plus one is two two plus one is three three plus two is five five okay. plus three is eight yeah. eight plus five is thirteen yeah and when you do that as a chart yeah. It makes a perfect. It makes the spiral that you get on a nautilus, okay. or you get on a snail, yeah. or when you look at the sunflower patterns. Uh, now he yes, was. Yes, I course. think he lived in the twelve hundreds, and he yeah. worked all this out. Yeah. Yeah, wow. yeah. But the other thing that is that the Greeks had it, mm. and that's BCE, mm. and that is called the Golden Rule. Mm-hmm. Now I think uh, yes. I think the number is one point six one eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you square it, it's the same as one point six one eight plus one. Okay. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. And, I had to. I had to think back to school. That, I was like, I was and, and, that, that's, yeah. and that, that's where you get your classical proportions. Yeah. Yes. But when you do that, so you've got that. It's like a, an elongated window or a doorway. Yeah. So when you put the next one up with the same proportion, yeah. and you put it that way, and you keep putting it round that way all the way. Yeah. Then you get the same perfect spiral. Yeah. Yes. It's just yes. amazing, and yeah. this is evident in nature. Yes. And the honeycomb, I haven't got the photograph here. I've got it on my phone. Yeah. I can show you a picture of my honeycomb. I went yeah. out one night, just one of these things you do to say goodnight to the bees. <laughs> and I, I took that. a torch out and I stood it on the ground. Yeah. And I've got the most incredible photograph of the honeycomb through the crack. Yeah, because they're just in there. Because oh, there's no We hive. have to share that with our listeners. Yeah. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't got the means to actually put it onto your computer. No, 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 that's You can fine. send it to me. I yeah. can send it. <laughs> yeah. But it's a, it's a picture of the honeycomb at night. Yeah, it's that beautiful. sounds so amazing. Yeah. And yeah. you can see how it's the spiral. It's absolutely gorgeous. You can actually see it. So it's got this helix yeah. in the honeycomb oh, coming gosh. down, yeah. but you actually just see these perfect hexagons. Yeah, yeah. those gorgeous. Because they've just gone in and built as they see fit. And they, yeah. they, 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 they yeah. see, when you get an ordinary frame, yeah. they, yeah. Put, they put starter frames in like a little grid for them and they build yeah. up from that. Yeah. But the bees without that build a perfect they honeycombs. Can, they yeah. can do... And yeah, the shape is beautiful. Yeah. 
Anyway, I promise I'll send that to Please, Hannah. That'd yes. be amazing. And, I can, and it's, it's a beautiful photograph. Yeah. And if you want, I've got some videos which I can send. Ooh, we might have to share some of that on Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> Seriously, I, I stood there, and I stand as close as I am to you now. Yeah. What are we, a meter apart? Yeah. And I just stand there, and I uh, do little films of them going in and out. And they just fly around. They fly yeah. around. You yeah. have no issues with them. That's no. amazing. Not at all. I was I was wondering how long have you been living in Tasmania for? Uh, Eighteen years. This 18 November. Years. Yeah, November. Yeah. And how do you how do you find? Do you find the seasons feel different here? Yeah. yeah. Um, the Huon uh, is closer to I suppose Britain in the sense of it's mm. got the cooler bits in the winter because you are a bit further south. Mind yeah. you, now living in Ouse eight and a half years, and Ouse has got almost cool a fifty degree range. Yeah, really. Yeah, we were yeah. down to minus five the other week, and we got up to three point seven in the afternoon. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's I mean, a human doesn't quite difference. stay that cold. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Tasmania, I've explored. You know, I've seen some incredible stuff here. Yeah. Um, the giant trees. Um, I've been in the headwaters of some of the big rivers. You know, yeah. you just see yeah. them where they are, where they come out in little springs and that. Yeah. I've walked all the way down the Gordon Valley. Below the dam, I knew various ways down the side of the cliff and that. And you go through uh, human pines and myrtles. And, oh, wow. and, and you stood on <laughs> yeah. the edge of the Gordon River. And that is only the waters coming off the hills below the dam. Yeah, yeah. It must be amazing before they ever dammed it. Yeah, yeah. I yes. mean, I've, I've got conflicting views as about the Franklin River. You can have beauty, but if it's going to stop the world from incinerating then maybe we need more hydropower. It's no good mm. having beautiful views if we're all going to frazzle up. Yeah, Does that one. make sense? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, yeah. A diffi- it's a difficult one yeah. to call. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not trying to tempt or... Yeah. Make anyone feel incensed. Yeah. But you've got to look at things for the value of what they are. Yeah. And mm. if we want to get away from oil, we want to get away from coal, yeah. then we've got mm. to look at ways where we're self-sustainable. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, you also got to ask about all the solar panels and everything else they do to make what you call sustainable energy. Mm, mm. How much power goes into making of those in the first place? Yeah, you've got to think of every angle of it. Yeah, you know, there's, there's a lot to be weighed up, and mm. sometimes not all of it is the equation or easy solution yeah. that there people isn't think. An easy solution. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you know, like quadratic equations and things like yeah. that, but, you know, uh, there's always two answers. You've got to, you know, mm. you've got. A, a square root has got two answers. Yeah. You've got a plus or a minus. Yeah. yeah. There's a minus time and a minus make it a plus. Yeah. So, you yeah, know, yeah, anyway, yeah, basic yeah, mathematics. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, it, it's interesting. Mm. And you've got to think outside the square sometimes. Yeah. Oh, definitely. With, with the nature side, that's inviolate to me. You know, and that is where I will... I think outside the square is some of the things I do. Yeah. Mm. Um, but, uh, to me nature's rules and going back we'll say earth's rules mm, yes. and to me that's sacred yeah and i know going back to the early days in ireland and even when patrick was there with his ministry he didn't try and get away from it he actually embraced it all and that's yeah, why he yeah. used the shamrock yeah yeah you yeah. know a little it's a it's you know a leguminous plant uh trifolia 
Yeah. And he used that as his way of explaining, in the Christian terms, the Trinity. Yes, mm. yes. But have you ever seen the Book of Kells or pictures of it? I haven't I haven't seen it, but I, I have seen some pictures and I've seen the animated movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, yeah. may, may, maybe another time uh, yeah. we can actually go into some of that because I've actually got a facsimile copy of it. Real? Okay, and yeah. yeah. Also, Definitely, um, we're on. <laughs> and, uh, another one which might be interesting for you, have you ever heard of a toy? Oh, I mentioned before, it's yeah. the Cattle Raider Cooley. Yeah. yeah and yeah. that's amazing. I didn't know yeah. that one. That one was new, so I, I've missed that so all in my life. <laughs> yeah. Well, a, a, an accent over a letter in Irish, over, mm. it's always over a vowel, it's called a fadder, and yeah. it lengthens the vowel. Yeah. So toy is spelled T-A-fadder-I-N. Yeah. And... Anyway, it's Toyn uh, Bokuli, yeah, and it means the cattle raid of Cooley, and yeah. Cooley is the sense over the hill from where Granny's cottage was. Yeah, yes, and yes. it's all round yeah. that part of Ireland. Yeah, and this is a uh, you know going. This is ancient. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And you've got the legends of Finn McCool. Yeah, and in the sense of all the epics, like he, he had a hound called, um, you know, had two dogs, Bran and Scalorn, mm. and they were there, and they had magical powers. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Finn McCool's not part of the toy. Uh, well, he is, <laughs> but it's, it's another section. Yeah. Anyway, and uh, he was out deer hunting, and mm. the um, hounds wouldn't let him in for the kill. <laughs> and they got this hind, and he took her back to his encampment to Dun. Yeah. And so you got Dunmore yep. and all yeah. these places, and yeah. I'm Dungarvan. Yeah. Well, yeah. Dun means like a settlement or a camp. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, more yeah. in Irish means big. Yeah, yeah. So Dunmore means a big camp yeah. or the big settlement. Oh, I yeah. love that. So literal. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so you, you've got Bally this and Bally yeah. that. Mm. Well, Bally is a township, or again, it's like yeah. a, a, an area. Mm. Yeah. So again, that's where so many places in Ireland. Well, the other thing, though, is some places uh, people think it's Bally and it's Bale. Um, uh, Bale okay. means mouth. Yeah. So B E Fada A L. Yeah. So Bale so Belfast means the mouth of the river on the sandbank. That That's where sense. Belfast gets the name. Yeah. yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, Bailon uh, Clear uh, is Dublin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um it's also Dublin, which means the dark pool. Uh, okay. okay. Yep. 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 Uh, that's that's yep. be the tannic acid coming off the peat because yeah. where the Liffey rises and then comes down. Because that's mm-hmm. the town uh, that's the river on which Dublin stands. Yeah. We see uh it's sad. I mean, the Irish have got some incredible uh, archaeology and uh, yeah. remains there. But in Dublin, in the 70s, they found probably the most perfect example of a Viking port and everything yeah. like that. And they did all the archaeology and all the excavations on it, and then they all concreted it in. Yes, oh. they did do that. And put a, uh, put a big block on top of it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Times, times are changing. Yeah. I hope at least. Yeah. I would hope like so. That. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing, I think you've been uh, seeing it. If you look at the ancient um, uh, artwork, gold craft, and yeah. silver craft, mm. uh, in the National Museum in Ireland. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> and this is again, it's pre-Christian. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's stunning. And there's uh, um, bog oak canoes and everything like yeah. that. Yeah, and it, so mm. very connected they were with the earth as well. Mm. I don't know how much of they did there was the sacrifices, mm. but have you ever read the Bog People? No. So by a Danish author called Blob, I think his name is. Yeah. Uh, and there was excavations going on because in Denmark they've got all these peat bogs as well, and they use mm. it for um, 
obviously agricultural purposes, but also for fire. Yeah. In yeah. I- in Ireland, you went and cut turf. Yeah. And you cut out these bricks of peat, and then you dry them off. I've seen that. Yes. Yeah. Well, I've, I, I, I've done it. <laughs> You've yeah. done it well. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you in a position where they, they, they were going along with a, a mechanical excavator and they found this corpse and they went and did an autopsy on it. Yeah. And um, this person had been sacrificed yes. to the Danish gods or Scandinavian gods, but Danish was, was discovered in Denmark. Mm. And he had a, a very peaceful expression. Uh, expression on his face. Yeah. And he knew he was going to be sacrificed. And sometimes when they did the autopsies, they found they'd had a special ceremonial meal Yes. And that was to appease the gods, or yeah. not to appease them, but as an offering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, be, yeah. you know, they, they were sort of uh, quite vegetarian, you know, sort of uh, all these different grains and that they found mm. in their intestines yeah. when they'd been killed. Yeah. Some of them have got a lock of, look of horror on their faces. Yeah, you know, and I guess they were less excited about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but anyway, and um, so the Irish, they, they had, uh, I want to say the Irish, the Celts. Yeah. And it, the way they migrated is the same as the birds. Mm. So they came out of, uh, we say, northern Africa or that area, and they came up through the isthmus, mm. and they headed east and west. Mm-hmm. So if you go uh, to India, and you've got your ancient tongues there, and the way they sing, it's almost the same as Irish. And they're probably more connected in yeah. the Indo-European right. family of tongues yeah. than any of the other languages in the middle. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So when you get sort of your Irish Shanos singing, yeah. Mm. And there's a nasal and guttural effect which you mm. hear in Indian music as well. Yeah. And yeah. some of the modes they use as opposed to you've got major scales and minor scales. Yeah. Well a lot of Irish music is based on modes. Okay. And it means certain intervals and certain mm. yeah. uh, notes which are rigid within that sort of particular key. Yeah. And there's a lot of connection there. Mm. But of course yeah, you go back to uh some of the events this happened, so we're talking about these sacrifices of people in Denmark. Mm. Well, the Irish, and not just the Irish, but uh, if they beat someone in battle mm. and also loved ones and that, they kept their schools and they had them in little caves. Oh, yes. I now, like story. you're going to like this. Now, <laughs> yeah. there's a, a big feast, especially if you're into the sort of pagan history and whether it's six months opposite to what is up north. So, October the 31st in the Northern Hemisphere. And down here is the same because it's all Yankee fied. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's the Feast of Halloween. Yeah. November the 1st in the Catholic Church and possibly some of the high Anglicans is All Saints and the second is All Souls. Yeah. Mm. And in Ireland and other cultures, they call it Crossover Day, which is when all the spirits are supposed to roam the world. Yeah. So it's a three and, day festival. And, ev- like and everybody, <laughs> and it's called Saun. Yeah. S A M H A I N. Another one that's so wrong. <laughs> the, 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 the H in Irish yeah. uh, eclipses the consonant before it. Okay. Yeah. So uh, the M yeah. H, the M is almost lost yeah. and it makes almost as soft W sounds as sound. Uh huh. Almost okay. like sound. It sound. is. Yeah, but there's no, there's no D on it. No. It's yeah. just sound. Yeah. But anyway, that's what it's about. But yeah. what they used to do, and not just then, but especially that time, because again, it's in the middle of your solstice, uh, of, of your solar events. Because yeah. August is Lammas. Yeah. Uh, and that's more Scottish. Mm. But that's, you know, you've got Christmas, which means Christ Mass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Lammas is Loaf Mass. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. comes from the fact that they were able to make the fresh bread from fresh grain, just harvested. Yeah. 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 So uh, in the north of Ireland, they used to have big bonfires mm-hmm. for that feast. 
Now, St. John's Eve, which is the 23rd of June, the Feast of St. John, which is diametrically opposite the birth of Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is John the Baptist. Yeah. Then, I didn't realise it was opposite, but it is. Sorry. It is. Sorry for interrupting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So they have massive bonfires. Mm-hmm. That's also the night that Granny always used to say you'd love this. You put bread and sugar out for the little people on the doorstep. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I still do. Oh, <laughs> yes, I <was> yes. <laughs> that was going to be one of my questions. The and these are, these are little things you do. <laughs> and this is what all the old people did. Yeah. Now, it didn't matter. I mean, you can be as Christian or as Catholic as you want in that, but there's nothing wrong in accepting that. Because yeah. there are spirits. I accept the spirits around mm. us all the time. It's yeah. very Irish thing to do. You can be But very anyway, you put out a bit of bread and sugar out for the little people, and yeah. quite often on May Eve as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, so that was one of the things. So that was they had the bonfires there. Now that's called Ir Juan. Uh, Sean is a Irish. Well, Ian, John, and Sean are all the same name. Yeah. And Jan in uh, Danish or yes. Dutch. Yes. It's yes. all it's all the same name, just spelled differently. Yeah. But Jan, Ian, Sean. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Iha in Irish means Eve. Yeah. So, Iha Nulug is Christmas Eve. Yeah. And Iha Khan, because the H goes in, so it's not Sean, Iha. Iha Sean, because the H knocks off the S. Got it. And then the spelling is Khan. Yeah. Okay. Iha Khan is St. John's Eve. Yeah. And that, again, was a time of mystic times. It's. You know, as much as the feast is there, that's only when Christianity went into Ireland. Yeah. But before that, again, it was the celebration of the solstice. But yeah. that's the dying sun, you see, because after the 21st of June, the sun's getting weaker and yeah. it's moving south. Yes. And yes. they knew this. And this yeah. is sent, this, this is a millennia before. Yeah. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. fire, as you know, yeah. or as, a, as you would know, both of you, yeah. is one of the great uh, sacred rites. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Fire, or you know, wasting of earth, wind, and fire. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And it's so primeval. Yeah. There's, there's no denying it. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Well, that that we, well, it depends on where you fall in the, I guess, pagan scale. So, yeah. Um, but you know, those elementals are massive to to. It's not quite universal, but no. most people would have at least an understanding of that. But fire is cleansing. Yeah. yeah. It's not mm. destruction. Fire is also cleansing. Yeah, definitely. And before they had all these antibiotics and that, what did they do with the wound? They used to cauterise them. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, talking about the flames <laughs> yeah. and everything, when yeah. it comes to sound, yes, yes, and they had their little sound. caves and they had all these shelves and everything yeah. like with all these schools on, they yeah. used to put a candle inside them. And that's where the tradition for hollowed out pumpkins comes from. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. I didn't they, know that. They actually put yeah. a candle inside the schools. Yeah. It's uh, not vegetable. It's not anything to do with No, the they've actually got the schools the there. Oh, that's the significance. See, I had read and that, that's what, turnips, but yeah, well, no, you they, no, but you use turnips as a substitute for schools. I mean, the, yeah. the police would be knocking on your door if you got a cupboard full of schools <laughs> to take out. But in I ancient mean. times, in ancient times, <laughs> but they were human skulls. I'm yeah. guessing, yeah. And it was yeah. also it was their relatives. You said the not, relatives, not as, no, and sometimes victims. You know, yeah. mm. but anyone they but defeated in relatives. battle, they paid the highest respect. Yeah, I do think it's sad that we've lost that relationship with death and with your family. Like you know, there's mm. that whole thing with um, like when someone died, like the body was left out for like five like, days, yeah, mostly so that you know if they weren't really dead, they could wake up probably. <laughs> well, some of the Victorian <laughs> coffins had a little bell on top. Yes, yes. that's true. Yes. yes, and if they were alive, they'd give a yeah. little ring on the bell. 
There is um in County Armagh, I think it's up in Lurgan. Mm. Oh God, I can't remember her name now. Mm. But there's a gravestone to the woman who uh, lived once, buried twice. I know this story. Yes. <laughs> and her husband was a doctor or something like yeah. that. Anyway, he thought she was dead and that, and he hadn't tried to get rid of her. That anyway, she was uh, misdiagnosed, and they she buried her. Anyway, there were some grave robbers went along and they wanted to steal because she had a quite precious wedding ring on. And they were there and they dug out in the coffin and that. And when they tried to take the ring off her fingers, she was still alive. <laughs> I, have, I haven't heard that story. Wow. I haven't heard this story. What's like her name? Is, is it um, MacPhail, MacFall? Something like that, I think. I can't remember. I heard it on like, um, there's a podcast called The Box of Oddities and they told the story. Oh, so okay. I don't oh, but anyway. Like only in the last month I've heard oh, Anyway, that's, okay. that's, that's <laughs> just up the road. Wow. And okay. in Leone's and Hannah's family, one of the branches there, Married, um, the the family name is now Cady, um, and Cady's just up the road. It's K- There's a place called Cady in County Armagh. Yeah, yeah. Right. There's like they've got a whole town. <laughs> so I, I like, I too have um, Irish ancestry. I have uh, convicts, Irish convicts that came out, and mm. like we know nothing. Like we know all we know is when they got transported, and there's no other records. So mm. oh, that's interesting because yeah. there's a lot of records for them, but yours were quite. Are these the really they early? Were, they were before the potato famine or the um, starvation. Well, yeah. that's a pre eighteen five, pre eighteen forty five. It was, yeah. Well, Hannah, uh, Hannah's middle name. I don't know if you know is Doreen. Yes, mm-hmm. and that is a, a surname, a very uh, popular surname down in Huon. Uh, oh yes, yeah. there's, <laughs> there's more Doreens in Tasmania than there are in Ireland. That's amazing. Now there is. Yes, yes. Yeah. Are. Yeah. But you, you just think of how many yeah. lines of families have been wiped out again uh, yeah, through yeah, the colonial approach yeah. and deporting people. Yeah. Like so, rightfully, the Aboriginal people, the First Nation of Australia, called Australia Day Invasion Day. Yeah. But mm-hmm. there's people from Ireland who actually call the twenty sixth. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, when it comes to Australia Day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they call it Deportation Day. Yeah. Yeah. Because they lost all their land title. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, yeah. it's something that uh, I think that the Irish might uh, address, you know, some out of c- compassion. You know, when I say uh, the Irish, I mean politically. Yeah. yeah. That if you were deported from Ireland, you should have some way of being able to claim your ancestry and a citizenship because yeah. you didn't choose to leave Ireland. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. C- I can claim an Irish passport because all my grandparents are Irish. You only need one Irish grandparent to claim Irish citizenship. Yeah, it might have been hitting on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I, I do think that if they came out and they were forced out, that there shouldn't be some, some, some form of recompense. Yeah. yeah. I really believe that. Uh, a little bit of digression, but I don't yeah. know if you know this, and again, it goes back to ancient times. Do you know the Irish alphabet? It was uh, the Irish alphabet's eighteen mm-hmm. letters. Mm-hmm. So when we say A B C D E F G, yeah, you know it's got ilum, be, coil, dear, ever, fern, gap, wa, ia, and it goes on like that. Yeah, mm. that's how you pronounce the letters. But when you pronounce those letters, they're all the name of a tree. Yeah, oh. and every letter in the Irish alphabet is a tree. Yeah, it's a tree alphabet. So ilum is either the elm or yeah. a Scots pine. Yeah, bay is uh, the birch. Yeah. Mm. And it's interesting to see how old a tongue it is because the scientific name for birch is betulacy. Yeah. Mm. And the Irish is spelled B-E-I-T, shiva, and that's a dot over the T, which indicates there's an H. Yes. So it doesn't okay. say base, it goes B. Yes. And coil uh, is the hazel. Yeah. 
Yeah. And did I mention before about Slain Gosling? No, I didn't, did I? Anyway, Coyle is uh, the hazel tree. Yeah. It's also called a sacred tree. And this, again, is uh, pre-Christianity. Yeah. This name was... Uh, and so you've got the Druids. Mm-hmm. And it's called a sacred tree, the mystic tree. Mm-hmm. Now, Glen in Irish is the same as Glen in Scottish. Sometimes it's Glen. Yeah. And in the Welsh for a valley or a, a, a glen, it's Slan. Okay, yeah. So Slan Didno is on the North Wales coast. Okay, yeah. Slan Via and all these other places. So it's the valley of this, valley of that and everything in Welsh. Now near uh, the River Dee, in fact the River Dee that I told you about is one of the rivers dividing the Wirral Peninsula and is mm-hmm. the border of Wales and England. Yeah. The River Dee runs through a place called Slangoflin. Okay. Slang Gotham means the Valley of the Hazels. And guess what used to happen there? That's where the Druids had their eyes Stedford. Yeah. So that is safe. This is this is sacred ground. Yeah. Yeah. And so Coil in Irish is the Hazel Mm. and the Gotham is the Valley of the Hazel. Slang Gotham in Welsh. So they're ancient languages and you can see the deer. A deer or dire, yeah. it depends on your accent, because uh, yeah. there's three distinct dialects in the Irish, uh, in the Irish tongue, as mm. you say, as Gaelic, when you speak Irish. Yeah. Um, so you've got Derry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody, I mean, the Brits called it uh, London Derry, but it's Derry. It's yeah. Derry. And it's Dira uh, in Irish, and that means the oak grove. Yeah. Where Bridget, Bridge is from, yeah. it's called Kildare. Yeah. Kildara. And that means the church or the chapel of the oak. So anywhere in Ireland has got a kill, yeah. means a church or a chapel. Yeah. So Kilbeg or Killybegs means uh, that's a little church. That's up in the north uh, west coast of Donegal. Mm. But you get Kilmore, which means the big church or the big chapel. Yeah. Ah. yeah. And there's a friend of mine who died. And when I say a friend, it's amazing. Uh, John, Johnny Campbell, he was mm. a shepherd from just near Granny's. Yeah. And he remembered me mum when she got a matriculation and she got the... Uh, what did you used to get in the old days? Telegram. Yeah, all right. And she, she, she got him a matriculation and she was running up the hill and she said, shh, Mary, you'll burn down the hillside. <laughs> and Johnny was going round and he used to go around with a man called Len Graham. Mm. And Len's one of the Ulster tradition of singers. Mm. And the storytellers had a great tradition in Ireland as well. Sometimes they're called a shanaki. Uh, it's another word for it. And uh, Johnny... Uh, used to have little stories and everything. Anyway, with all the troubles, and this is hilarious. It's what you call black humour, but it's funny. <laughs> and he got stopped going through the checkpoints. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's places in Ireland, all these different names and that. And the soldier said, or the police, the guard, Ishikana, uh, says, "What have you been? What have you been up to? Where have you been?" He said, "I've been killing a boy." <laughs> and he said, "What?" He said, where are you going now? She said, to kill more. <laughs> I love that. And these places really exist. Yes. It's yes. how you pronounce them. I mean, there's, there's lots of jokes came out yeah. of the troubles and that, what you call yeah. dark humour. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned Martin McGuinness, mm. and I don't know if you know, um, uh, but Catholics, they bless themselves, they make the sign of the cross. And the, yeah. Anyway... Well, he was made when a peace, Good Friday peace agreement came through. This is lovely Irish humour for you. He was made Minister of State for Education. Mm-hmm. So the joke goes that he banned all the lollipop men and women 
and the Protestant seeing Paisley's kicking off said, Why have you taken away all these lollipop men and women? What are we going to do? And he turned around and said, Mr. Paisley, the Catholics have been crossing themselves for years. About time the Protestants learned to as well. And this is the sort of jokes, yeah. I was on a train actually back in uh, in 85. I uh, played in the All Ireland finals, which is the world finals, down in a little place called Listowel in the southwest of Ireland. And I was on a train that was blown up by the IRA on the way back. Oh my god! Yeah. yeah. Oh my god! And to know that you were sat just a couple of meters away from a bike, a push bike full of semtex. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. crazy. That's that's yeah, yeah. Oh, this is it. This is you know, it's we might not have the bombings like we used to have, but um, it's still that tension still there, isn't oh, it? Yeah, yeah, so, it's, yeah. It's going to be difficult over the next month. Yeah. Uh, because August, then you see the Derry and the Apprentice Boys and yeah. everything like that, and there's some people. I mean. The present Irish ambassador to Australia, uh, Brendan, I've uh, had the privilege of meeting and playing for him a few times at yeah. events here. Mm. And he said, we've got to look forward to peace. Peace yeah. is the oh, only way, yeah. and you've got to look forward. Yeah. Remember yeah. the past, he said, but you've got to look forward. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can't have peace without justice. Mm. That's true. And you can't mm. have that, not just in Ireland, but any country in the world, which is where Same in Australia. you look at... Yeah. Um, what uh, one of the great, great uh, ambassadors for humanity in the world, Nelson Mandela, mm. and what he managed to overcome yeah. in South Africa, that was amazing. He had mm. every right to turn around and say, right, it's payback time for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't. And, you know, that's humility and it's yeah. forgiveness. It's, it's quite beautiful, really. And I'd say one of the things I'm blessed with, mm. I've lost one year in the winter... Possum came in and ate every bit of rhubarb, including the leaves. That possum had a good face. Yeah. <laughs> but and it's supposed to be deadly, but possums eat them; they love it. Oh, and one, one time, one time they came in and ate a few cabbages. But basically, I have none of my garden caged in. Yeah. Yeah. I have uh, barred bandicoots. Yeah. I've had uh, the possums. I've had a quoll get one of my beautiful birds a couple of years uh, yeah. ago. Um. I see uh, Tassie devils regularly. Oh, yeah. that's they go for a little. They go for a little wander across the meadow in the morning after a night on the tiles. <laughs> and I do a lot of community driving. I take people mm. to the hospital and that. And had a really late appointment the other week, mm. and I never got back till it's gone eight o'clock. And I was in my car just getting my things together. And I noticed these two little twinkly eyes coming up the gutter on the other side of the road. I thought, Oh, what have we got here? And you'd be pleased to hear this is the biggest, fattest non-mains wombat I've seen and he's just and I know down where my landlords are there's Mm. a big pine tree and where the fence where where, where the fence is there's a a bit of the fence being pushed up and I've always thought that's a wombat hole yeah but anyway it came all the way up the gutter and at the gate opposite my cottage yeah then it's amazing to see how they flatten themselves like a snake or a mouse Oh, really? You know I mean, how a snake or a mouse can go underneath the door? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, the yeah. wombat, you should have seen this thing. He must have been about that high and he flattened yeah. himself they to this. like, I can do it. <laughs> and I know where he must have a den or whatever you call it or yeah. a hole because there's mm. some old pine trees up the hill opposite where yeah. I live and yeah. the ground's quite light there. Anyway, it was lovely ah. to see such a healthy, fat-looking yeah. wombat. So I, I've got that. I've got um, all sorts of birds come in. At the moment, I've got a lot of forest ravens being very naughty. They <laughs> actually steal the grains through the runs of my chucks. 
So smart. They are, <laughs> they are clever. Yeah. All, all the Corvids are. Yeah. Uh, the magpies and the butterbird and um, in the spring mm. have the most wonderful singing contest, which I love. I mean, I'm up at yeah. five every morning. Yeah. And they're singing away. But yeah. get, get, getting uh, back to the uh, communication things, the, the Celts again had one of the world's first sign languages. I did not know that. I did not know that either. Uh, you but know, I love that. Yeah, I'm a deaf brother, so that's why I'm like, oh. So, sometimes you pronounce it, you hear it pronounced Ogham, I say Ogham, yeah. it's O-A-G-H-A-M, but the H yeah. knocks out the G. Yeah. And uh, that's the old uh, Irish script, which the is the lines, lines yeah. across the corner of a stone or a stick. Yeah. Well... I can't do it now. I used to know all the letters, and I, I promise you we'll do this another time and go mm. into some of that. And as I say, I'll bring up some of the stuff about place names mm. and how they got their names yeah. and some of the uh, ancient sacred sites, you know, yeah. again, mm. pre Christian times. Yeah. Because the Irish were in Ireland for a long time. Mm. And you've seen some of the beautiful artifacts in the National oh, Museum. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go. <laughs> anyway, but um, they had this uh, sign language, and they could do it with the fingers and thumb. Yeah. And mm. so a druid could be speaking. Yeah. Or some chieftain, and they could be saying these words and maybe doing some parley or negotiation with someone, but with their fingers they were telling a different story. So it's like talking twice at the same time. It's amazing. Yeah. So you've got the yeah. you've got the signers on television now, which is brilliant. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But they were doing this. A long, long time ago, and the thumb and the fingers. Yeah. I think yeah. it's BLT, but uh, it's again. But everyone and there's sometimes you get a diphthong or a combination of letters like NG in that. Yeah. So they add other names, but the basic Irish alphabet was just eighteen letters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. so cool. And they were so in tune with nature. Yeah. And my dear, dear friend Simon, he died back in uh, two thousand and one. And we played and played, and it's some of the best music I've played in my life. And uh, we never actually got the chance to play Round Island together. Oh. But um, pardon the friends and that, but <laughs> I remember showing them the Irish alphabet. In fact, I'll bring down one of my illuminations, or some of my illuminations next time you want to do something, because Hannah's seen some of the things I do. And I said, do you see that? He said, what's that, boy? And I said, oh, it's the Irish alphabet. I said it's all the names of trees. So I had the Irish, I did the letter like in the style of Kells, all illuminated, mm. then wrote its name in Irish, and then in uh, Chancery Italic wrote the name in English. Mm-hmm. What a fucking lovely concept. <laughs> <laughs> but he had a lovely sense of humour, and you, 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 you will uh, love this, and I'll, I'll close for this little bit now. I mean, we had some fabulous times playing, but... In the days when you had what you called your white metal press and it wasn't all done through the computer, yep. he was a compositor. Uh-huh. Yep, yep, yep. And he was a compositor for the Tele- Telegraph, which is a bit of a right-wing paper in Britain. Okay. Yep. But you see, he had to do that and set out the whole page on the classifieds. Okay. Yes, anyway, yes. He, he'd moved out of London down to Wells, which is in the southwest. It's Batten Wells. It's, a, it's one of the great, great Gothic sandstone cathedrals in Europe. Okay. Um, and uh, Simon lived there and he used to take the train into London every day. But because he'd had to do the page the day before and everything was done, he also had seen the crosswords. 
The day before. The day before. Oh. Yeah. And I'm the carriage. So we go along and sit there, knock off the telegraph crossword in 10 minutes and go and get himself a coffee. And everyone was looking over. How the hell did he get it done so quickly? Like, well, he'd seen the answers the day before. Oh, I'm just a genius. That was his little, that was Simon's wicked sense of humour. I love that so much. But he, he was very, I mean, I could talk about him and uh, when uh, his first marriage had uh, uh, gone wrong, his wife, mm. uh, she'd gone away, Val, mm. and he met this lovely lady, and they did an old-fashioned hand fest. Oh. Oh. oh, yeah, I've played it a few like so. So we can talk about things like that another time if you want. Please, I think, nice. I think yeah. people would really like to hear that. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd yeah. like to hear that. And then <laughs> when you think about May Day, and it wasn't mm. a question of going out pillaging and having your way in this and that, but girls would wear herbs in the herbs to drive the lads into a frenzy. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. this is all part yeah. of And all. that's the tradition. And it was yeah. part of the tradition. Yeah. And there's things like in the literature as well, uh, the Midnight Court and uh, such incredible epic pieces mm. and they leave nothing short of, uh, you know, you don't have to imagine too much with no. is what they talk about <laughs> and Tom's, we'll say, horizontal relaxation. Got yeah. it, yeah. Um, <laughs> it is May Day. But, uh, but not just May Day, but yeah. another time. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, I don't know if you've read Chaucer, uh, but the Hats, complete way, I mean, Chaucer yeah. is as raunchy as anything. And I was telling people, the bit we read was <laughs> when when I came out here, I've rebuilt. Uh, I've always loved books, mm. and I've got one room which is dedicated as an Irish library. Yeah, like I said, you he get has books a library here. Library in his house. <laughs> now I've got three libraries. <laughs> anyway, but I've, I've read all the classics and. You know, Dickens, Jane Austen, whom I adore. Mm-hmm. When you're 16 and 17, you don't understand Jane Austen. No. You've got to have done a bit of living. Yeah. But she is so funny and yeah. hilarious. But you've got to do some living to understand some people's writing. Yeah. So you've got all that. And I thought, well, I don't really need to buy them. So I've got a fair bit of Australian literature and mm. I've uh, really devoured that. But um, I've got a couple of editions of the Bible. I've got the complete works of Chaucer, a few editions. One is an incredible translation by Coggle, mm-hmm. but the other one is, is actually in the Middle English, which I can read and understand quite well. Mm-hmm. And um, what's the other one? Oh, and the complete works of Shakespeare. And what mm-hmm. isn't written in them hasn't happened on the planet. Because yeah. every, every one of them actually talks about some of the very basic functions in life. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. I so if you've got yeah. those three and you've read through them, yeah, uh, it, it covers every aspect of life that you're even yeah. going to encounter in the 21st century. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I've got yeah. some just for the sheer poetry that I love Wordsworth. Oh, you yes. know, and yes. just the way people can write. Yeah. You know, and yeah. some of those I've managed to get some nice additions. Yeah. But uh, basically, it's been a nice learning curve here because it's been a big learning curve learning about the trees out here as well. Because mm. one of the other things, which I'll tell you another time, I used to be a silver culturist. Oh. And I did, and I've got thousands of babies all over Somerset where I used to do heritage tree planting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've always had an affinity with trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tree episodes. Yeah. So maybe we'll do a tree episode. Yes. Yeah. But also, I'll bring down uh, some of the examples of the calligraphy and uh, mm-hmm. explain and give you recipes on how to make inks and everything. Oh, oh yeah, we never got back to the ink. Yes, please, that would be <laughs> amazing. Oh, yes. you can do it, and the fungi grow here in Tasmania. It's not just to, to do with fungi, but there's one mm. uh, called Caprinus comatus, and it's called a shaggy ink cap. 
Oh, all the lawyers that's wig. the one you were telling me about. And yep. like, you know, if you put a mushroom on a plate or a piece of paper, it leaves a spore print. Yes. Well, these don't. They deliquesce. Okay. And it just goes into black guns. And you, you boil it up yeah. and you uh, put in some cloves and that it sterilises. It's a stop it going mouldy. Yeah. And that's the recipe, I think, they use for the Book of Kells, Book of Duro and everything yeah. like 1,500 years ago. Okay, I'm guessing we've missed the fungi season for that You've missed time. that. But yeah. guess what? <laughs> Some of the, when I lived out at Cambridge, they grew outside my cottage. Uh-huh. And they grow just across the bridge in Ouse. They grow out of the car park. Oh my goodness, <laughs> that's amazing. And in, in school last year, I taught the kids how to make ink. Yeah, oh, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. I've, I've just been looking up how to make ink using charcoal from the fire. Yes, we can so, use that as well. Yeah. And now you've got Chinese stick ink as well, where you grind it against uh, like a fine file and you add water. Yes. Yeah, I've yes. got those as well. Yeah. But anyway, this is the ink that was used in writing. Sort that's of, amazing. So yeah. we'll do that another time. Is that okay? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so I hope I haven't gone on too much. No, no you have not at all. No, we uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, and, it's um, been fascinating. Yeah. And if, yeah. if you've got more specific questions, maybe I'll, I'll try. I mean, I've covered a lot of subjects today. I suppose. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I'll have to. I might even have to do two episodes out of all of this. But um, <laughs> no, it's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, mm. no, it's been really, really good. Thank you so much. Oh, yes. I feel very honoured that you've uh, felt you could ask me, and uh, yeah. I hope it's of some use and information, yeah. and maybe humour and what yeah. for your friends or any of your subscribers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no. I, think, I think people will enjoy it. I yeah, think be good. Yeah. yeah, thank you so much. And, and I was particularly interested in like the seasonal stuff, so that was really cool. Yeah, yeah I can give you a better, and I'll, I'll give you all the names of the different. Uh, Pivotal days and that, mm, and I can give you the great. name of the Irish seasons and things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And I'll do a chart for you. I don't know if you remember Chris Wisby, who used to be on the ABC. He used to do the Saturday morning program oh, and no. everything. But Radio. I, I uh, but Chris has actually got it on his wall. <laughs> yeah. And I ah. did a chart of the of the Earth's passage around the sun. Yeah. And how the leaning of the Earth and it shows the angle of the sun and why the seasons work like they do. Uh, and I did, I did it in English and Irish for him, so I'll do one for you. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> that was my mum calling out. She also wants a chart, so you'll be busy for a little bit. There you go. Okay. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you my so pleasure. Much. It was lovely. Thank, thank you. you.